Welcome to the Big Blue Saloon. I'm Peter Storm. I'm joined by the D-Man Eric Diamond and Sancho Seth Kaplan. Uh, I hope you guys did well in your fantasy drafts last week. Time will tell. Yeah, we'll see. See how we feel on uh, Monday night. D-Man, D-Man went really rogue. He didn't pick a tight end at all. Just... <laughs> so after all that discussion about Travis Kelsey, you didn't get him? <laughs> no. Held off on the tight end. I can't remember the round I picked the tight end. You've been uh, scarred. <laughs> Anyways, I hope I hope you guys enjoyed our new opening song. I I, I want to know, uh, D-Man or Seth, did you know what song that is? Led Zeppelin. Oh I, wow, I'm impressed. I only know that that's <laughs> Led Zeppelin because I associate that song with the scene from Fast Times at Ridgemont High, um, when uh, Mark Ratner's going out with Stacy and he's playing that while they're going out on the date. And uh, what's his face said? Uh, Who's who's the uh, the cool guy? Ramon said to play Led Zeppelin when they're going on the date. That's the only reason why I know that. Well, our secret, our creative director has told me everybody loves Led Zeppelin, so we've uh, I, I love Led Zeppelin, so we chose to start with that song. I didn't think I, I definitely did not think the D Man would know that song, but I'm impressed. <laughs> Anyways, guys, it's uh, hard to believe that the season begins tomorrow night. Given that uh, what 2020 has been like, but it seems like all systems are go and. I think the NFL fans will really enjoy having NFL football back in the living rooms. I know I will because I've officially run out of things to watch on Netflix. <laughs> I'm so desperate these days. I'm actually watching a show called Love Island on CBS. It's not actually on an island. It's actually on the rooftop of Las Vegas Casino. But it's actually some original programming. I don't know about you guys, but I cannot wait for tomorrow night, even though I'm not a Chiefs fan or a Texans fan. Uh, agreed. Although I wouldn't brag about the Love Island thing, Pete. I'm not bragging. I'm using it as a des- desperate plea to put on some original programming. <laughs> okay. I've watched. E- I've watched. Yeah, just, every- just a minute. You really like the show. I've watched. E- I've watched everything you could ever imagine on Netflix and Amazon to this point. All right. Anyways, good- in tonight's episode, we will cover the latest news and notes prior to the season opener. We'll go full in depth on the Giants and Jets' exciting Week One matchups. In addition, tonight, the D-Man will host a new feature where the three of us will pick each game, no spread, for the upcoming week. And we're offering the opportunity to compete against us. Um, the information's on our Facebook page, the Big Blue Saloon. So everybody's going to get to compete against Seth, Eric, and I. Uh, one person already wrote that they think the three of us should have a private bet and the loser has to shave their head. <laughs> I'll pass on that one. So I said I was all in just for the opportunity to see you shave your head. Yeah, that's not going to happen. <laughs> so anyways, let's jump right into it. Um, my favorite player, the, the, the DeAndre Baker saga for the Giants has finally ended as the former first-round pick has been waived by the Giants. This transaction is yet another indictment of the Dave Gettleman error. D-Man, this is a disaster with Corey Ballantyne penciled in as the starter. Darnay Holmes will be out there, and there'll be three safeties playing, probably used to protect Ballantyne. The Giants are actually high on Ballantyne, but Patrick Graham will have to be very creative to protect him from being picked on. What are your final thoughts on DeAndre Baker? Because we've talked about it almost every week since we started here. Well, we know this is going to be the case when this first happened, so I'm not shocked at all. 
it was just a matter of time. And it's, it's really sad. And what's, you know, the other part that's really sad is that we traded up <laughs> um, to pick him. And, you know, and not, it's, this is obviously going to look really bad for Gettleman because he picked him and, and traded up for him. Not that he was expected to know that he was going to get into severe legal trouble. Well, there, there um, were, but obviously there were red flags on this guy um, in college. And Seth, I'm not sure if you know, the Giants actually traded up and had to pick up any cornerback in that draft and took Baker. Right. So, you, you know, uh, you can appreciate the frustration of Giants fans. Of, you know, they could have had anybody and they took this guy. Yep, yep. It'll be another big uh, chapter in the book of Dave Gettleman, but it gives you more material on him, Pete, when you demand <laughs> his firing at the end of the year. Another thing you can cite. And I could go on either. Oh, I know you can. Well, I'm going to go on. Our, our next giant note, uh, you know, Saturday was uh, is known as cut day around the NFL. And the biggest news on cut day for the Giants was that last year's starter, Ryan Connolly, was waived. Connolly had shown some promise last year as a starter before tearing his ACL. This is yet another Gettleman draft pick that is now off the team after one year. And this guy was a fourth or fifth rounder. I know D-Man was a fan of his. He was D-Man was so upset about him getting cut, he actually commented on it on Facebook. <laughs> I did, actually. And you know what? I'm still waiting for an explanation as far as why he was cut. <laughs> I think you'll be waiting I, a long I mean, time for that one. You know, it's funny. I, I really, you know, listening or hearing – Joe Judge uh, talk, it seemed like he didn't think Connolly was going to be picked up and he was expecting to bring him back in the practice squad. Connolly didn't make it through waivers. He was picked up He was picked up pretty quickly by oh, the, Vi- the Vikings. But, but I think Judge was expecting him to um, clear and then they were able to pick him up. So I was not surprised he was picked up by another team. Absolutely not. Well, if that's the case, that's a bad gamble by Judge and Gettleman. Yeah, I, I mean, did, I didn't hear anything negative about his point. Uh, you know, during uh, the scrimmage or practices or anything like that. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I have tried to get some information on this myself, and uh, nobody seems to know. I think there's a lot. Everyone was pretty surprised about it. I think everyone thought he was going to be the starter. Um, well, I, I would say that that shows another way that Judge is emulating Belichick because he did a lot of he did a lot of mysterious moves without explanation. So maybe Joe Judge is just channeling his inner Bill Belichick and just making surprise moves based on reasons that he will not disclose to the public. Yeah, very well could be. You know, along with the cuts on Saturday, the Giants' initial depth chart was uh, was released, and it didn't have that many surprises on offense, as Andrew Thomas thankfully won the left tackle job. And Nick Gates finally will bring some, some stability to the uh, center position as he beat out Spencer Pulley in a late bid by John Halepio. Again, another uh, – Gettleman judge disconnect, I think, because Gettleman brought in Halepio with a few days left in camp to compete for the job. Halepio was their starting center last year, and Judge cut him on cut day. So again, another another seemingly disconnect. On defense, Eric, you and I look good here because Lorenzo Carter and Oshani Xemenez beat out Marcus Golden and Cairo Fackrell as starting linebackers, although I would expect all four players to rotate. Um, a player that I named several weeks ago, Devontae Downs, actually won the inside linebacker job next to Blake Martinez, and he's the one who actually beat out Ryan, Ryan Connolly. Uh, any thoughts on the depth chart that you had seen uh, the other day? Well, um, you know, the reality is, and, you know, 
if you could say the reason why Connolly got cut is because they have a lot of depth at the inside linebacker position, something they haven't had in a long time. And yeah, they basically kept downs over him. So I get it. Um, you know, the other uh, thing that was a little bit of a shock, because um, I thought Coleman played well during the um, during the scrimmage. I'd heard all good things during the practices, but, you know, they, you know, let him go like everyone else has, I guess. Um, you know, they, they picked up that guy from Cleveland uh, who I guess they feel knows uh, Kitchen. So, you know. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, the Giants seem to, you know, at the end of the day, their wide, core wide receivers were who they are, Slayton, Tate, and Shepard. And I guess they didn't love his, the backups as much as they were trying to say. Anyways, on to the Jets. Seth, the most surprising cut to me seemed to be linebacker Richard Burgess and the fact that fourth-round pick James Morgan made the team. How did you feel about what the Jets did during cut day? Any surprises uh, to you? Yeah, well, actually, the, the biggest surprise to me was that they cut this center named uh, Jonathan Harrison, who last year filled in uh, after Douglas made his first big splash was taking Ryan Khalil out of retirement. If you guys remember, I uh, was a center for the Panthers. He was an all pro guy. Uh, Douglas uh, coaxed him out of retirement. That was supposed to be a big signing and he was awful. And the offensive line was awful last year. And this guy, Jonathan Harrison came in at center, stabilized it, did a pretty good job. Um, and Darnold even referred to him as his big brother. So he seemed to be a good citizen on the team. And I, I know Douglas has made a lot of signings through free agency in the draft and the offensive line, but cutting someone who was a stabilizing force last year makes me nervous. I hope this doesn't come back to bite us, but uh, that was the one that surprised me the most. Um, Burgess getting cut doesn't shock me, only because inside linebacker was one of our actual strengths, as few as those are. Um, I guess the only surprising part was that we did it with Mosley opting out. You'd think maybe they'd go extra on the reserve inside linebackers, but that doesn't shock me, even though he played well last year. And James Morgan, as quarterback making the t- team, doesn't surprise me either. I don't know if you guys saw it. They're going to end up with four or five quarterbacks after the practice squad is all filled in. And it makes sense. You know, you don't want to expose a rookie who might get picked up. Because trust me when I tell you, no one is picking up David Fales or Joe Flacco in waivers. There's no risk of exposing them out there. So I think that actually made sense as well. You know, it was interesting about Morgan. I mean, Jet fans weren't thrilled when he was picked because, you know, it shows some hedging on Sam Darnold a little bit when you pick a guy in the fourth round. Right. So, but know, if you're going to pick them, give, give the guy a chance. They, right? they always say the most popular player on a football team is the backup quarterback. So, well, not right. It wouldn't be the case with Sam Darnold. They're going to a backup. That, that's a tough spot to, to back up Sam Darnold and expect to be better. But I mean, Douglas is not going to acknowledge he made a mistake without a single game with his fourth round pick. So, it doesn't surprise me that he made the team. So, the initial Jets depth chart had a few surprises. Chris Hogan was penciled in as a starter with a favorite of mine, Brashard Perryman and Jamison Crowder. Uh, Avery Williamson won the linebacker job, and Braxton Berrios is doing both punts and kicks. Uh, what did you think of those moves, and, uh, and were you surprised by anything else on the depth chart? Well, you know, Chris Hogan being listed as a starter, that's not a big surprise. The, the skill positions, whoever's listed as the starter to me, doesn't really mean that much because they're so interchangeable. They change players on every single play. Um, but, you, you know, he was the third receiver. So there's Perryman, there's Crowder, and Hogan. And we really don't have anybody else. Mims hasn't been playing. So Hogan being listed as the third wide receiver, that's not a surprise. Um, we do need Mims to step up and be that third receiver. But um, it's not surprising the current state of affairs that Hogan's number three. 
you know, Avery Williamson was our big signing the year before CJ Mosley. It was his job and he was our stud inside linebacker before Mosley came along. So it doesn't surprise me either that he's the starter. He should be the starter. And it doesn't surprise me that Bar- that Barros is uh, returning punts and kicks. That was what he did a little bit of last year. Although my prediction there is before the end of the year, Ashton Davis will be the one returning kicks and doing very well. That That's my bold prediction of the podcast, but no big surprises on the depth charts. Everything was expected. Now that we're uh, complete with all the administrata of the season, we can now get ready for the Jets Giants week up week one matchups. And since the Jets play 1 PM on Sunday in Orchard Park versus the Bills, Seth, I bet, and Eric, I bet you can't wait to hear this. One o'clock Sunday. I, I do love that music. Iron Eagle will be coming on. Jets Bills. Second I, year, in, second year in a row, Seth, that they open up, but this time in Buffalo. Yeah. Well, first of all, I thought you were going to play a painful uh, highlight of the Bills destroying the Jets. So thank you for just playing the theme music instead. Thank you for saving me there. No, I'm uh, trying to get us. I'm trying to get us all pumped up, man. When I hear one o'clock on, I'll be there watching the Jets. I have to watch the Jets now. We got to be able to talk about them. Right. No, One no, o'clock I, Sunday when I hear that theme song, I'm being excited. I'm going to be excited because I will be watching this instead of Love Island. <laughs> Again with the Love <laughs> Island. Stop plugging Love Island. It's not helping the podcast. Um, so, listen, you cannot underscore just how painful last week's week one was. I mean, I remember it so vividly. Up 16 nothing, destroying them. CJ Mosley was all over the field. He had a pick six. And it just felt he, he and then he got injured and he went out of the game and then Buffalo scored 17 points in a row. And that was it. The, the tone was set for both teams for the rest of the season. So I'm not too excited about having to relive that in week one uh, this year. Uh, I'm excited to have football. But boy, that's just going to bring back bad memories of week one last year. Yeah, I mean, that, that game catapulted the Bulls. Bills. Right. They, went, they went 10 and six and made the playoffs, which was right. a stark improvement. Uh, you know, the Bills are led by third year quarterback Josh Allen who had a very good second season and the bills hope his passing ability, the bills hope his passing ability will catch up to his running ability. His running ability is what makes him dangerous. They added Stefan Diggs as an additional weapon this year to join John Brown on the ground. They're solid. despite the fact that Jets stole the ageless Frank Gore. I'm again, quoting uh, Neil Mars from You're using the word stole. They stole him. <laughs> yeah, you know, they, they stole the ageless Frank Gore. Right. No, no, nobody steal. <laughs> nobody steals a 37 year old running back. But uh, they, but they do bring back second year player Devin Singletary, Singletary, and an exciting rookie named Zach Moss, who Matt Narlinger took very early in our fantasy football draft. <laughs> the de- he did. The, def- the defensive side of the ball is where the Bills really excel, led by their front four. They're very stout against the run. The Bills also had the best defensive pass rating against the long ball last year, led by Tredavious White and Micah Hyde. uh, Seth, you know, when you look at the Bills, uh, what do you see are their strengths and weaknesses? Um, I think they have an average offense. I mean, Josh Allen runs more than the average quarterback, and he's a big guy who's hard to take down. What really scares me, my biggest concern of this game, is the Bills' defense versus the Jets' newly constructed offensive line. So I've, I've said this before on this podcast. We've got five guys playing together for the first time. They've had 12 practices, no preseason games, and they haven't known each other before a couple of months ago. So to expect them to go in in their first game together ever and play well against a very stout Bills D scares the crap out of me. 
And I would say the only thing we have going in our favor is that the Bills stadium is going to be empty. Because if we also had to deal with the crowd noise and them trying to communicate with each other, that to me would just be a recipe for disaster. So I'm thinking that that's- Well, they can pump in noise, you know. Well, They're allowed to go up to 80 decibels. I, I, it's interesting to see how that would play out. I would guess that it's not going to replicate the fans being there, but may, maybe they will. I, it, and I don't like that rule, by the way. Could they get rid of that? Like either have fans or don't have fans. I don't want this. I know they do that in baseball too. I don't like this artificial noise. Either you have the noise or you don't, but don't get well, sidetracked. What, what, the, what the NBA is doing is interesting with the virtual fans. I mean, I was watching the end of the Heat-Bucks game last night, and I actually forgot those were virtual fans. It was so loud. Right. I, 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 I hate artificial anything. Um, yeah, no, I, but, I agree with you. Fans or no fans. It's, right. you know, and, I and, and, and I know this is getting sidetracked, but I, I believe that the own cities are deciding whether to allow fans themselves. There's no universal rule. So some stadiums can have fans and some cannot. And I know the Bills have just decided for the first two games, at least, they're not going to have fans. So I'm glad we got them early in the year, I guess. But I'm just glad that they're, they're not going to be fans yelling at the Jets offensive line to – you know, create false starts. You also don't want to. You also don't want to play at Buffalo in December either. Right, correct, correct. Now, n- now the the Jets on offense um, is where this game. You know, I think they're going to have to play ball control offense and hope for a low scoring game. You know, the Jets, are, of course, are led by the third year quarterback Sam Darnold. We discussed him here ad nauseum after two up and down season. Season, there's definitely this is definitely a big season for Darnold. The Jets have star running back Le'Veon Bell, but will Adam Gase use him correctly this year? Bell wants to be the bell cow that he was is in uh, Pittsburgh. And I, and I think for the Jets – Now, hold on, Pete. Pete, Pete, Pete I mean, uh, sorry for interrupting, but the reality is everyone says they didn't use Bell well. How did they not use him? He carried the ball 245 times last year. He caught 66 passes. The problem was his 3.2 average per rush. That's pathetic. Well, that's the problem. As someone who watched every play last year, they used him very heavily and often in the first few games where he was like, there were times where he was the only good player on the team. And then in the second half, inexplicably, he was like almost an afterthought on the offense. It was a very strange season for him. Now, his longest run of the year was 19 yards. Yeah. 19, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, is that, is that, is that so, an indictment on him or is that an indictment on the offensive line? I mean, exactly. You know, I don't know. But, I mean, I'm only going by – listen, I, I, I saw Le'Veon Bell's stats. I'm only going by what he's saying. He's complaining he wasn't used correctly last year. I don't know what that means. He wasn't used correctly. Seth, you watched every Jets game, as you said. Right. Now, with the revamped offensive line and, I, you know, and, and I think some better receivers with Prashard Perryman and now Chris Herndon back, right. that should help Bell too. I mean, and I, and I think if the Jets have any shot this week, it's going to have to be uh, – you know, uh, it's going to have to be. Yeah, here, here, here's what they need to do with Bell and really with the offense in general. It's just to have a little bit of creativity. We had one of the most boring, predictable offenses. And most of our series last year was first down, Bell off tackle one side, second down, Bell off tackle the other side, and third down, predictable, you know, third and long pass. I mean, this guy – Bell was great at Pittsburgh because he was all over the field. They used to put him out wide at receiver. They used to come up with creative plays for him. I'd like to see a little creativity, you know, not just have predictable plays with him and not just for Bell, but for everybody else, you know, have some two tight end sets, like four or five receiver sets, have it so that the defense doesn't know, let alone myself watching at home, know what play is coming every single time. So I'd like to see like 
Greg Williams does on defense, I like to see a little creativity on offense. I think that would go a long way. But if you know what the play is, it doesn't matter who's back there. The defense can be able to contain you if you know what play's coming. You know, speaking of the Jets' defense, now uh, they have a pretty tall task ahead of them now with, you know, Josh Allen. I'm not a big fan of his, but he does make plays and does, you know, run the ball very well. And the Jets' pass rush is similar to the Giants' pass rush where they don't really have much one. But if they are going to have one, you know, it's going to be up to uh, Quinton Williams to live up to his draft status. And I think Noah had mentioned a player uh, when he was on the podcast. Jordan Jenkins. Jordan Jenkins, exactly. If they're going to have a pass rush, it's going to have to come to them. And they're going to have to put some pressure on Allen and stop the run, uh, you know, to have a chance. So so that being said, um, D-Man, we'll start with you. What's your prediction for this game? Well, I do think it'll be a low-scoring game under 20. Um, I do think the Bills' defense is better, and that will be the difference. I do think the Jets will make some plays compared to what they did last year and keep it very close. But I think I can see this game uh, being decided by a field goal. Seth? What, 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 which, who's winning the field goal? <laughs> who's winning? The Bills. Oh, okay. All right. Bills. Um, well, um, I, if I'm being honest with you, and I have to be honest on this podcast because I took an oath of honesty. You um, did. I, I, I did. I, I do not see the Jets being competitive in this game. I actually would be very happy if it win or lose, if it comes down to a field goal, I think that that would be surprising for me. I don't see us jumping out to a 16 zero lead. Like last year, I see the bills winning 24 to 10. Yeah. I, I, you know, I, I see this game where I think the bills were a little, you know, I think the no fans in the crowd really helped the jets here. Um, I th- and there's no really home field advantage. I think the bills you know, we're, we're, are not as good as their 10-6 and six record last year. I think the Jets will be pretty competitive. I, I actually have some belief that Sam Darnold will have a good game. Um, I, don't, I think the Bills' defense is a little overrated. Uh, you know, turnover, turnover deficit, over-under on turnovers is very, was very beneficial to them last year, the Bills. But, I, I mean, I, that being said, I still see the Bills winning this game 27-19. to 19. Okay. So, all three of us have picked the Bills over the Jets. The D-man is the only one who thinks it's going to be very close, decided by a field goal yet. Um, I think it's decided by a touchdown, and Seth was usual cynical approach to his favorite teams <laughs> That's as right. the Bills winning in a two-touchdown and the Jets only putting up 10 points. Correct. You know, the one thing I want to say, listen, I'm not a Jets fan, but I will say that they played very – except for the game against the Bengals, they ended the season playing very, very well. Um, so the question is, can they continue that to this year? And will their offensive line create a couple holes for, for Bell because last year? I, I don't want to be overly cynical, but that six and two record that we ended with last year was against one of the weakest schedules in the history. Literally, it was one of the weakest second half schedules in the history of the league. I mean, we were playing Bengals one win teams, you know, Dolphins twice at two wins. I mean, it was just a historically poor. The Raiders, I think, were almost winless. So it was historically easy schedule. And um, again, the, the new offensive line, brand new offensive line, first game. That's why I think we're only scoring 10 points in the first game. We'll get better as the year goes on. But this first one, I'm not too optimistic. Okay. So you would pick the Bills in a suicide pool, wouldn't you? Uh, I, I'd have to look at the whole schedule for that. But they would be a candidate. I'll say that. They would be a candidate. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, so all three of us have taken the Bills. Um, 
Seth has explained to us that the end of last season was a bit of a mirage for the Jets. Yes. So uh, before we go on to the Giants, the NFL is always cruel to. Yeah, but that's why I didn't fire a coach, though, by the way, because of how they ended the season. Uh, I, I, if, if that's the case, then that's even a bigger joke. I mean, he was just a terrible coach. If they say they would have fired him, but for the six and two record, I would say, look at who the competition was. It wasn't because of Gase's genius that we were six and two. It was because of the opposition. So well, uh, let's let's move on to the Giants. Monday night football, which I don't like that they're playing in, but they are. The third year of the Dave Gentleman era begins with a Monday night showdown <laughs> with the Steelers. And I always say this, the NFL really hates the Giants because they're pitting their offense, revamped offensive line against the Steelers' defensive line. It's just cruel. The Steelers are coming off an 8-8 eight eight season in which they missed the playoffs, but the injury to, to quarterback Ben Roethlisberger was the main reason. Big Ben is back, and there's a lot of enthusiasm in the Steel City about this team, which is very well-rounded both offensively and defensively, and they have an excellent coach in Mike Tomlin. The NFL seems to always put the Giants in these positions. They, I, they must have opened against Dallas about seven straight seasons. I think last year they actually opened against Jacksonville, or two years ago they opened against Jacksonville. And now we get the Steelers on Monday night. Um, D-Man, how did you feel when you saw this game on the schedule to open the season? Yeah, I started to feel a little nauseous, <laughs> to be honest with you. Because um, really, I have I have these nightmares of Daniel Jones just getting clobbered, getting sacked. You know, you know he's going to fumble. I mean, there's no way he goes this game without. Well, I, I can't tell. I can't um, tell you. And I and I and I got somebody who sent me an email, which was pretty interesting. Is somebody's a steel, you know knows read a Steelers beat reporter, and the Steelers actually scouted the Giants scrimmage, and they said Daniel Jones is still holding the ball too low, which means. <laughs> They're ready to attack him. They don't think his fumbling problems are going to go away. So that that you know that should be very interesting, considering the Steelers do have a linebacker T.J. Watt, who could have a four sacks this week against the Giants. He's a sleeper for Defensive Player of the Year. I mean, the Steelers are on solid on both sides of the ball. They welcome back their franchise quarterback in Roethlisberger. He's surrounded by some excellent weapons that the meddling Giants defense will struggle to contain. This includes running back James Conner. But more concerning are wide receivers Juju Smith-Schuster and the up-and-coming Deontay Johnson against the Giants secondary. Also, the Steelers have added Eric Ebron, and they have, and they have a very good offensive line with Mo Pouncey, David DeCastro, and Alejandro Villanueva. So the Giants' pass rush is going to not be able to really get there to help protect the suspect's secondary. So on paper, this matchup is, is pretty atrocious for the Giants, in my opinion. I agree. I mean, you know, the one thing about the Steelers last year, it was a miracle they were eight. But they were. Their offense was so putrid. Um, their quarterback play, because uh, Big Ben only played in two games, they had 18 touchdown passes, 19 interceptions. They didn't have running back over 500 yards rushing. Um, you know, they started the year like um, one and four, then made a run. And actually, they were eight and five. And they lost their last three games of the year. And the killer game, and Seth, you can feel real good about this, is when you just beat the Steelers in week uh, 15, the 15th game of the season. Right. 
you know, I mean, again, probably the highlight game of the Jets season. I, I mean, that's I, I don't I think when you look at the Steelers and Seth, you can pine pine here as an AFC team. When you look at the Steelers, you kind of have to throw away last year because you bring back Big Ben, yep. and you don't, you know, and he's playing quarterback instead of Mason Mason Rudolph. I mean, that that's night and day, and that make that makes the whole team better. And their defense is already really good. And maybe one of the greatest trades in years, getting Fitzpatrick. Yep. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, the- once they got him, their defense turned it around immediately because their defense struggled and they got destroyed by New England first game of the year, like thirty-three to three. I don't know if it was a Monday night game or Sunday night game. Um, so they were really bad. It's actually, early on. Thursday night opener. Oh, it actually oh, might night. not have been, but it was the first game. Uh, I think I think Big Ben is poised for a super big year. He essentially had last year off. He's got all these weapons, some of them he's worked with before. And I think in a year like this with a condensed preseason, no preseason games, the experienced quarterbacks are at a major advantage. I, I think ben, Big Ben's experience is going to really help him. And, and having the same coach, the same system, I mean, that's going to really be an advantage for the Steelers all year, not just this week. So they're, they're – I'd buy high on the Steelers. If you want, if there's any reason for optimism at all for the Giants, and again, I think this is an atrocious matchup for the Giants. Um, the J- debut for Joe Judge and Jason Garrett, Daniel Jones will have all his weapons at his disposal for the first time, which means Barkley, Saquon Barkley, Evan Engram, Darius Slayton, Sterling Shepard, and Golden Tate will all be on the field at the same time. However, the offensive line will house three new starters with rookie Andrew Thomas at left tackle, Nick Gates at center and Cam Fleming at right tackle. And, you know, at, at the end of the day, even if they lose this game, I, I, I truly believe if the offensive line does not show improvement this year, that will finally be more than anything the final nail in the Dave Gettleman coffin. Uh, you know, it, it, and, and it, it could happen as early as game one. I mean, there's a, there is a scenario where the Steelers literally could get 10 sacks on the Giants in this game, in my opinion. And I'm Whoa. not exaggerating when I say that. Hold on, hold on, timeout, timeout. You think what could happen as early as, as game one? I, I think people will – no, I'm not saying Gettleman will get fired, but I think, okay. he'll be un, I think he'll be under even more fire after game oh. one okay. if this offensive line is dominated in a way they could be by the Steelers. All right. I, I thought you were suggesting that he might get fired after game one. No, no. The, okay. That's not the Giants' M.O. I mean, the only reason they fired Ben McAdoo in season was because of the whole Eli Manning mess. But right. the, the Giants' M.O. But I'm saying – I mean, I think Gettleman has been given a little bit of a reprieve right now because there's writers out there that are complimenting him on having Jones and Barkley, and a lot of people like what he did in this offseason. But at the end of the day, to me, if the offensive line gets completely dominated by Pittsburgh, and it'll be the usual New York overreaction because Pittsburgh's really good. These guys only had 14 practices. But, I mean, Seth, Eric, you guys both know. We've lived in New York all our lives. I mean, I don't think I'm wrong here. If the Giants offensive line gives up 10 sacks, and Barkley doesn't do anything. I, it's going to be ugly on Tuesday morning. Of course. Oh, absolutely. Of course. This game could be really right. ugly. No question. Now, what I would say is usually when the players get a new coach and they had a horrible coach beforehand, which is what the Giants had, there's that initial lift, that initial enthusiasm. So my, the, my thinking is the first half, the Giants will put in a really good effort with the, with the enthusiasm of a new start, of a new coach. And by the second half, the Steelers will pull away a little bit. That's how I see this game going. I mean, we, we, I'm talking about the offense, but the defense is actually the weakness of the team. So, yeah. you know, I believe the Steelers are going to look to throw early and often, and they're going to go right after Corey Ballantyne. I mean, there's no secret. I mean, you know, and that's going to force guys like Lorenzo Carter and the others to get to the quarterback. 
I mean, will, will Leonard Williams finally turn pressures into sacks? Does Blake Martinez finally give a guy that on the Giants that can cover a linebacker? I, I don't know. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm picking on the offense, but the defense is what concerns me more than anything for the season. I mean, D-Man, do you think there's any way the Giants hold the Steelers under 40 points? Under 40, 40 points? <laughs> I, I actually yeah, think I they will, but I'm being, you know, I'm being, being yeah. dramatic. Here's the thing with the Steelers, you know, their offensive line hasn't been good the last few years. To me, they're very susceptible and if the Giants and players like Carter are going to really raise their level of play, this is a game they can show that they can really play and, and create plays, create turnovers. That's something the Giant defense has lacked over the last number of years. They don't suck the quarterback. They don't get turnovers. If they're going to beat Pittsburgh, they need to pressure Ben all game long and get some turnovers. I think it's possible. I'm not confident, but it is possible. Okay, D-Man, put your money where your mouth is. What's your prediction for this game? No, i got to go with the Steelers. <laughs> I mean, Score? Uh, I, you know, it's, hard. it's just as hard for me because in my heart, I really want the Giants to shock everybody. You know, and I believe in Judge. I like him. And I agree with Seth where I think they're going to be very motivated and play with so much energy and enthusiasm. But I just worry about the Giants' offensive line getting clobbered. And maybe they stay close early. But all it's going to take is a, is a couple sacks, and I do think Jones is going to be under a lot of pressure all game long. Okay, what's what's your score? I could see it being um, about thirty-one seventeen. Pittsburgh. That- yeah, Football. very similar. I, I have it as uh, Steelers thirty-seven, Giants twenty-one, something like that. And I have Steelers 34, Giants 17. Yeah, so we're all very similar. We're all in the same league. Um, it would not shock me to see the Steelers put up 41 if, if they get Daniel Jones a turnover or something. But it's funny. So all three of us have picked against the Jets and have picked against the Giants. <laughs> what, what an uplifting local podcast. Yes. Nobody, nobody can ever accuse us of being homers. No, definitely not. Not. No, I mean, we, look, I, I hope we're wrong. I do. I, I want the Giants to shock the world and beat the Steelers listen, listen, on Monday night. That'd be awesome. You know, I've been saying this from the beginning of time in this podcast. There's a lot of Jet and Giant fans that look look at the teams through rose-colored glasses and actually think both teams will win this week. There's a lot of Giant fans who think and Jet fans who think no matter what, both teams are going to lose. If if the Gi- if I literally thought either team was going to win this week, I would say it. And I just don't, I just don't like the matchups. And and I look I try to look at these things from a very realistic view. And I know you guys do the same. Yeah, trust me, I am not saying that the Jets are going to lose for entertainment value of this podcast. I'm saying it because I think they're really going to lose. But like uh, D Man, I'm I'm hoping the Jets shock the Bills and win. I just don't see it happening. I think the only way the Giants win is if the defense just comes out after Ben puts so much pressure, creates turnovers. I do think it's possible because I do think the Pittsburgh offensive line is, is not as strong as it used to be. I think the giant, the giants will make them look strong. Cause I still don't think they're pass run. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably right. You know, it's I, wishful thinking. I, you know, I, like I said, I know, I know Eric from BBI when he was on, he's a big Dexter Lawrence guy, but that guy <laughs> still in, in, the, in most defensive sets, he's only a play first down against the run. Leonard Williams is a, you know, he gets pressure, but he doesn't get sacks. 
Actually, the Giants' best defensive lineman to me is Davin Tomlinson, and he's more of a run guy too. So, you know, I, you know, Lorenzo Carter's sacks were against the Giants' offensive line. Is he going to do it against the Steelers? I don't know. But, you know, any time that Big Ben has to throw against the secondary, and, and he's a veteran quarterback, and he's going to go yeah. – and, you know, they find these guys. Corey Ballantyne is, is not a NFL-caliber starting corner. Logan Ryan apparently does not want to play corner, so he's going to play safety. So it, you know it's 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 very concerning what's going to happen. And I, like you guys, I would love to say, hey, you know, let's get you know the Giants are home, but you know there's no home crowd. Right. So, what does that mean? Yeah. yeah. So you know. So anyways, each week uh, the three of us will go through these games just as we did. We'll give you a full in-depth analysis. Hopefully, so, at some point we will pick one of these two teams to win. For the <laughs> Giants, I don't see that being until about week seven or eight. Um. <laughs> The Jets potentially week four <laughs> against the Broncos looks like a uh, place. Tune in so, in three weeks. Right. So, that's me. You know, D-Man and, uh, and Sancho could have a different opinion. Anyways, now it's time for our new feature. It's the D-Man Pick'em Challenge. Um, this is where Seth, Eric, and I are going to pick each game. We're not going to give you a full analysis. We're just going to give you our picks. And you'll have the chance to compete against us uh, in this contest. There'll be a $5 entry fee. It'll be winner take all, uh, not winner take all. It'll be 50% of the winnings will go to a weekly winner, and then 50% will go to the end of the season pot for the person with the best record. Um, the details will be on our webpage, um, the Giants Big Blue Saloon webpage. So if you're interested, go on Facebook for the Big Blue Saloon because it'll be all on the website. So, Eric, are you ready to get us started on these picks? I'm ready. Let's get to it. Tomorrow night, we have the defending Super Bowl champion Chiefs home against Houston and Watson coming off uh, probably very happy about his new contract. Um, Pete, what do you think? Chiefs, no doubt. Easy game. Uh, I'm not picking against Mahomes on opening night either. Kansas City. Yeah, I I think the Chiefs – this is going to be a high-scoring game. Um, but there's no way Houston can uh, keep up with the Chiefs. Uh, so, all right. So now we're on the Sunday, the one o'clock games. Seattle at Atlanta. Seth, who do you like? Uh, I, I'm going to stick with my theme of uh, experienced quarterbacks having major advantage. Seattle's a good team. Give me Russell Wilson. I think Atlanta's headed for a bad year, so give me Seattle. Okay. I also think that Seattle is going to win this game. Not that Matt Ryan's not experienced. Right. I like I, Peter, I like West. Atlanta. Atlanta's at home. Um, right. Not the home, not the home field matters. But uh, I, think, I think Matt, you know, back to what you're saying, Matt Ryan has been playing with Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley for a long time. Um, I actually think Todd Gurley was a good pickup for what they want to do. Um, their defense has improved. I, I like the Falcons. Okay. All right. We pretty much uh, picked the Jets-Buffalo uh, game. Everyone's picking Buffalo, so we can go past that. Uh, Chicago at Detroit. Uh, Seth, who are you going with? Uh, in a matchup of what I consider to be two bad teams, I'm going to stick with Detroit. Uh, more stable quarterback situation. I agree. I'm going with Detroit at home as well. I like the Bears. I like the Bears. Detroit's going to be one of the worst three or four teams in the NFL this season. Um, I think the Bears are one season removed from 12 and four. Uh, 
and I, you know, Mitchell Trubisky isn't as bad as everyone's making him out to be. Yes, he is. <laughs> I don't agree. He is bad. And they, they, and they have a good offense, and, and and I think their defense is still pretty good. So I like I like the Bears. Okay, Green Bay, Rodgers at Minnesota. Um, Pete, who do you like? I like the Vikings in this game. I think the Vikings have a very very well balanced team defense, run the ball. Um, Kirk Cousins won't lose the game for them. I think the Packers have played with a little fool's gold last year with a big season against a pretty soft schedule. I like the Vikings. Uh, I say Kirk Cousins does lose the game for him. I'll take Rodgers and Green Bay. I think uh, it seems like uh, Rodgers historically has always played poorly uh, in Minnesota. And the Minnesota defense to me is one of the better defenses. So I I think Minnesota's going to beat Rodgers week one. Miami against the new New England Patriots and Cam Newton. I'm just going uh, with the Patriots. Uh, and Cam Newton will do enough to, to beat a bad Miami team. Yep, I agree. I think New England is actually headed for a big year, as I've said on this podcast before. Give me the Patriots at home. Patriots, not an easy win for them. The, I agree with that. The Patriots are being uh, counted out way too fast. Yep. Okay. Philadelphia at the Washington football team. I'm going with the uh, – I, I think it's going to be a close game. Uh, I do think the Eagles are going to win this one. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to go with the Eagles too. I don't think Washington's headed for a good year. I don't see them winning this game. Yeah, the Redskins and the Giants are not nearly in the class of the Eagles. They're and the not Cowboys. the Redskins, Pete. Sorry. They're not the Redskins. The Washington football team and the New York football Giants have okay. not beaten – have not beaten the Eagles and Cowboys in about twenty years, and this isn't gonna, <laughs> and this isn't gonna be the week for the for the Washington football team either. All right, we got the new Las Vegas Raiders at Carolina. An interesting game to pick. It's hard to know how Carolina's gonna be. Uh, no Cam Newton uh, this year. Um, both teams were not good last year. Yeah. You know. Normally I would go with the home team in Carolina, but I'm leaning towards Las Vegas. I don't know, maybe the first game as Las Vegas. They'll, I think the Raiders have some offensive weapons. I do like Jake as a running back. I think it's going to be a close game. And I'm going to go with the uh, the road, uh, Las Vegas on the road. Um, on our, on our uh, fantasy uh, preview, if you guys recall, I gave you Teddy Bridgewater as a deep sleeper. And I foresee good things for Cal- Carolina with him. I'm going to take Carolina in this game. This might be the toughest game of the week to actually pick. Um, but I'm going to go with the Raiders. Uh, I feel that they are a little bit better at this point. Um, you know, Matt Rule's first game. Uh, you know, it's a toss-up. Again, if, if there was fans in the crowd, I might have gone with the Panthers. But I, I, I like the Raiders in this game. Okay. Uh, Philip Rivers and the Colts at Jacksonville. Um, we all know that Jacksonville is going to be probably one of the worst teams of this season. Uh, but do they have enough to beat the Colts? What do you think, Seth? I think not. I think uh, I'll take uh, an experienced quarterback, which Indianapolis now has. I think Jacksonville is looking at a 1-15, 2-14 year. So I'm not picking them this week. I like the Colts. I agree. I, I, I like yeah, the-, I, the one thing about the Colts that I think is underrated, their defense is pretty good. Um, so even if Rivers doesn't have a great game, I still think they'll beat them. Yeah, I like the Colts. The Jacksonville have Jacksonville has no interest in winning any games this season. They they're all in they're all in on my boy Trevor Lawrence. 
Yeah. <laughs> I guess we don't have to have to worry about uh, what the Giants going to do with Jones then, right? Uh, Cleveland at Baltimore. Baltimore obviously got very deep in the playoffs. Cleveland trying to redeem after disaster of the year last year. Baker Mayfield was horrible. Beckham was horrible. Do they have any chance of winning at Baltimore? No. Pete. No. I think Baltimore big also. Not even worried. It's not even worried. I do think Baltimore's gonna I do think Baltimore's gonna win, but if you remember last year, Cleveland shocked them at Baltimore last year. That's... They did win at Baltimore. You, you're picking the Browns, D man. No, I'm not. <laughs> okay. he, he just, he just, he just I, likes to show off. His, uh, he just he wanted to show off that the fact that I had no idea. Well, I think Baltimore's gonna be I think Baltimore is so pissed they didn't make it to the Super Bowl that uh, they're gonna be really motivated this year. Yep. So I, I think they'll slaughter. Yeah, I, I don't necessarily think the Ravens are going to be as good as they were last year because I think some teams will figure out a little bit on Lamar Jackson, but this is not the game they're going to lose. No, I agree. All right. We got the Los Angeles Chargers at Cincinnati. Uh, both teams are new quarterbacks. Both right. um, teams, I'm not looking to see that are not going to do very well, although. It's more interesting what how Cincinnati is going to do since they had the first pick in the draft, Burroughs. Uh, Seth, what do you think? I'm going to give Burrow the edge. Uh, I'm going to take Cincinnati. It's just it's a it's a gut feeling. I think he's going to open up uh, to a good start. So I'm going to take Cincinnati. Yeah, I, I agree with Seth. I'm going to take the Bengals too. The Beng- despite their poor record last year, the Bengals actually played well at the end of last season. And you put they were competitive, I should say. And you put Burrow on that team, and you AJ Green's back. You still have Tyler Boyd. Joe Mixon is a really good running back. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not Tyrod Taylor is, you know, is the starter for the Chargers. And, you know, I'm not a big Tyrod Taylor fan. So I, I like the Bengals. I agree. For all the reasons you just said, I don't like Taylor. And I think there's going to be a lot of excitement in Cincinnati. Burroughs, they have some offensive weapons. And boy, it'll be interesting to see if, if Green can come back to, you know, three quarters of what he used to be. But we'll see. Next game, Tampa and Brady, Pete's favorite quarterback, at New Orleans. Pete, I'll let you take the, this one since you love well, Brady. Th- to me, this game is probably the most interesting game of the, the week. I mean, this is a great game, 425 on Fox. We'll actually get to see it. Um, today, there was news that came out that Mike Evans is injured. So that might um, impact this game a little bit. I like the Saints at home, believe it or not. I think it'll be a very high-scoring game. Um, I'm going to stick with the Saints, but the Bucks will have a good year, but it, it won't start against the Saints. And it's it's funny, Ian O'Connor brought this up in our podcast that the Saints were going to be the team that would probably prevent Brady from making the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So I, I I tend to agree with you, Pete. Uh, I, like I said before, I think this is going to be a big fu year from Tom Brady. I think he's going to go off in many many games, and he may even go off in this game. But at the end of the day, I, I think the Saints at home. Uh, are, are the pick for this week. But I agree. I think Tampa's headed for a good year, just not this week. Yeah, I certainly agree th- uh, with Pete said that this is probably the most entertaining game of the week. I want to pick Tampa because it's Brady's first game, but I-, I just think that New Orleans, you know, they're pretty pissed off how the last three years have ended for them. You know, their defense to me is, is underrated. So I think they'll get to give Brady a hard time in week one because it's going to take time for them to gel. Again, even Brady needs more than two weeks of practicing pads with a new team. So I'm going with the Saints as well. 
Arizona at the runner-up 49ers. Can Murray somehow upset the 49ers? Seth says no. Um, San Francisco, I think, is headed for another dominating year. Uh, I think Arizona is going to continue to go through some growing pains. I think Murray will get better, but to ask them to win in week one at San Francisco is too much to ask, so give me the Niners. I'd agree with Seth. I I do not like Arizona in this game, Um, although I do think it'll be competitive. Um, Arizona is pretty loaded now with um, DeAndre Hopkins there. Uh, but I, I, you know, I think the 49ers are too strong. I, I'm not a big Jimmy Garoppolo fan. So, uh, you know, the 49ers to match last year's success, are going to have to pass the ball more and they're going to need more from Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo, but I think they'll be able to handle Arizona. Yeah. I don't think the Arizona defense can, can stop the 49er running game. Uh, Garoppolo's had, had a lot of games last year where he didn't have to do anything. This 49er team is so physical on both ends of the ball that I think they'll pretty much dominate the game. I mean, I think Murray's going to make some plays and, you know, could even keep it close. You know, Hopkins will probably make some plays, but I definitely think the 49ers will win this one. Dallas at the Los Angeles Rams on Sunday night football. Pete, what do you think? I like the Rams. I think people are sleeping on the Rams a little bit this year. Um, And I don't, and I'm not sure the Cowboys are as strong as everybody thinks. I, I like the Rams. I, just because I think they're, they're at home, I think they've kind of condensed their offense. They don't have to make sure they give the ball to Todd Gurley. I think you'll see a lot more Cooper Cup this year, Tyler Higby. And then they got some really good prospects at running back with Cam Akers and, and Daryl Henderson. And Sean McVay is still is not as smart as he was two years ago, but he's not as dumb as he was last year. So I like the Rams. <laughs> Funny, so I have the the opposite point of view. I think these are two teams trending in different directions. The, I think the Rams have fallen hard and fast. I, I don't really. It's just it's amazing to me, right? A couple of years ago, the Rams were like the greatest show on turf again. Like it was like the '90s all over again, and then they just fell apart. And I don't see them getting back the magic that they had before. Whereas Dallas now has uh, Prescott. He's got all these weapons. He's got uh, D.D. Lamb now. He's. I, I see Dallas having a big year. So give me the Cowboys. I'm sort of torn on this game. Um, I don't know if it's because I got uh, Dak Prescott as my quarterback and I'm kind of rooting for him to have a great game. I- I'm not sold again on the Dallas defense. Um, I think Dallas will score some points, but I also believe the Rams are going to rebound because keep in mind, they were just in the Super Bowl two years ago uh, last year. You know, it's hard to, you know, repeat and get back to where you were. So I think the Rams will have a better year. And I'm going to go with the Rams in week one over Dallas. Hmm. All right. Moving on to Monday night football. As always, the first week of the season, there are two games on Monday night. The first game we already talked about, Pittsburgh at the Giants, and that game's on at 7-15. We all picked uh, the Steelers to win that one. So if you want to stay up late, you got Tennessee and Henry at Denver in mile high at the 10 10 o'clock game. Uh, Seth, who do you like? Uh, I will probably not, in fairness, I will probably not stay up for this game. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, will take, I will take Tennessee coming back strong. They have their weapons back. Uh, they got experience back. I think Tannenhill's not going to have as great a year as last year, but good enough to beat Denver, who I think is headed for an awful year. I agree with Seth and everything he actually just said. Wow. Recorded. That, that start- oh, it is recorded. Okay. And, and, that, and that starts with not staying up for this game. <laughs> because... 
<laughs> if, if the NFL wanted me to stay up till one o'clock in the morning in the East, they needed a better game than Denver and Tennessee. I can start Great. right there. Um, I love I, I love gonna... Tennessee before before this before the Von Miller injury, and I love them even more now. Um, Tennessee Tennessee uh, is a solid team. But they're not an exciting team. I don't have a fantasy player on either team in any of my teams. So there is no way I'll be staying up for this game. The first time I'll know about it is when I wake up the next morning. But I like Tennessee. I'm going to pick Tennessee as well because I think that they're, more, they're such a physical team. I mean, it's really hard to stop Henry. But the one thing about Tennessee I've noticed over the last few years, they start off slow every year. Um, it's not easy to play in Maya High even without fans. But I, I want to pick Denver as an, a little bit of an upset, but I'm going to stick with Tennessee. I got to tell you, before we, before we end this conversation about this game, the most interesting thing about Denver right now was the fact that on Monday it was 94 degrees in Denver, and then, on, and then, it's and then snow, the next day yes. it snowed. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, 2020, the year that keeps on giving. I mean, <laughs> I mean that's just crazy. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, the, you know, a Monday night game, it'll be interesting to see what the weather is in Denver. That's true. I'll have to check it won't, that out. It won't affect if, my it, pick. if it's snowing, I'm gonna change my. Yeah, pick. I was gonna say, it's not affecting my pick, no matter what the weather is. Yeah, me. yeah it's true. Actually, I think it's, I think it gets Tennessee an advantage of it either. So, uh, D Man, that was a great job. That's the D Man Pick'em contest. Seth, Eric, and I will all be entering. Will be. I have already entered my picks onto the website. Seth and Eric will be doing it, hopefully before tomorrow's game. Yes. Um, <laughs> again, you have a chance to compete against us, and. And if Seth agrees, the we're person with the uh, the one of us that has the worst record at the end of the season will shave our head. I'm not agreeing to that. I don't <laughs> say that if you guys want to do that side, but that's fine. I'm not shaving my head. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a big shock. That'd be a big <laughs> shock for me too. <laughs> too many Zoom calls for that. I can't explain that to too many people. <laughs> so that's okay. But we we'll have to come up with some sort of side bet. Remember, this is the first week of our Leonard Williams versus Quinnen Williams bet. So we, we have things going on. Yes, that bet I'm much more comfortable with. That's fine. So anyways, um, that concludes tonight's episode. Well, actually, before we do that, if you are a listener, please do not forget to join our Big Blue Saloon Facebook page. It's a growing page. you got the Giants, the Jets, all other NFL news. We're currently at 98 members, so whoever the 100th member is will get a free conversation with the D-Man. So if you're that 100th member... <laughs> <laughs> do most people pay for that you will get a free conversation or counseling session with the d-man okay <laughs> i see the phones are lighting up yes well i i expect the hundredth member to already be on there by the time i get back onto the facebook page so uh, before we go any final thought thoughts from either one of you guys seth i'm just looking forward oh, no, no, ahead, I, i'm with you i'm looking forward to having some semblance of normalcy on a fall weekend and uh, to have the kids back at school and football back on the TV. Definitely looking forward to that. Eric? Yeah. Yeah, I can't wait for football, even if it's going to be different with no fans. Um, and uh, I'm, I'm real interested to see how the Giants respond in the first game. You know, obviously, you know, we're thinking they're going to get beaten. But, you know, maybe this is the time to see who's who's going to make a difference and raise their level play. Um because on the defensive end, we've been atrocious for years. So maybe, hopefully, make some improvements this year. So well, next week will definitely make for an interesting podcast if one of these two teams wins. 
because we right. will have to explain how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, we will be back next week. Uh, it is closing time here in the saloon. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. We'll be back next week with a review of the week one Giants and Jet games, and we'll have a preview of all week two matchups. And we also have the results of who was the winner of the D-Man Pick'em Challenge. I'm Peter Storm for Eric Diamond and Seth Kaplan. Until next time. Stay here. I know who